I feel like Josh doesn't get hurt that easy and he went down like he was hurt and then he came he went straight into the mall and scored a try I was yeah. like oh Joshy are we playing games here Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland proud supporter of the four Irish provinces Hello and welcome to House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland I'm Greg O'Shea and I'm here with Lindsay Pete. how are you doing Lindsay? I'm good how are you? I'm very good uh, we don't have Jason today but we've upgraded <laughs> Mr. Pat. How are you doing, Pat? Good, yeah. Very good. Thanks very much, yeah. Good to have you in the hot seat. Yeah, yeah. What's the Jason's missing out? I think he's at the International Rugby Experience there. They're having their grand kind of big uh, launch today down on Limerick. So Jason's in. I think there's a load of legends down. Uh, O'Driscoll. Oh, no, just Paul O'Connell, Brian Habana, Keith Woods, the likes Kira of that. So. Kira Griffin. I think Baven Parsons is down as well. And uh, Gus Scott, Dawson. Um, so yeah, Jason's going to be out there trying to get interviews with who he can. We yeah. might have a, a couple on the show next week, hopefully. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Driscoll's going down as well. Oh yeah, Brian O'Brana, Sean Fitzpatrick. Like yes. they're pulling all in. They even I even got the call to go down. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. Did you get the call? <laughs> no, it's kind of awkward now. But there you go. Look, <laughs> I, I, left, I left the uh, gym the other day and I had a missed call from Paula Connell and I was like, oh. Why is Paula Connell ringing me? And you know your head starts ringing and then you're like, oh, What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> and then uh, he was just inviting me down, but. But um, it's just all the way down to Limerick. I couldn't make it down sure because house rugby comes first, lads. Do you know what? At least you picked us, Jason. Yeah. We won't hold it against you, but I know it's a couple of days staying in the Dare Manor, lads. With celebrities. Go, with celebrities, all like playing golf, dinner. I feel bad now. Going into the International yeah. Rugby Museum. Would you like to like, go? The whole lot, like you, you can know. go. You can, you can go, now. go now if you want. Yeah. Will yeah. I? Just, yeah. Yeah. Right, so <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that I picked this over that, and a couple of other jobs I'm going on. <laughs> We're feeling uh, the love a little. <laughs> yeah, of course. So let's. Um, we, we want to talk about the European Cup that happened on the weekend. Leinster played in the Aviva Stadium against Toulouse. Forty-one twenty-two, they won. Very convincing, but uh, Toulouse had to go down to 14 men for it to be convincing. What do you think, Lindsay? Yeah, it was always going to be tight. Um, and I think there's a, there was a difference this year in Leinster. I think they rode their luck. They obviously done their homework on Toulouse. And I think they knew their discipline would be key to this. Mm. Um, I also thought before the game, if they let this get into like Obviously, we've seen how expansive Leinster can play their style of rugby. But I was like, if they go toe-to-toe now in a really open game of rugby with Toulouse, we're going to be on only one side of the coin. It's not going to be the one we want to be on. So looking at their tackle account was much harder. They really worked hard, but they also went through their phases and they were exceptionally disciplined and stuck to task. And I thought they really grinded out the game and they really took advantage when Toulouse went down to 14 men. So they bided their time. They were patient. Their set piece was excellent. Dan Sheehan, like the fact that he didn't start against La Rochelle last year in the, excuse me, in the final and the trajectory of that man, like he looked like, what, an open side, like he looked like a mm. flanker taken off there, you know, he was exceptional. Obviously an opportunist, opportunist try, but that comes in the game of rugby and I thought he finished it very well. So I was impressed with Leinster with how they went about their game plan and about how they dismantled um, Toulouse mm. and really they imploded. Like Nettie with his, listen, you can argue either side of the coin with that yellow card, but... Josh Vanderfleer, which I was surprised. I was like, oh, look at you playing the actor. But um, look, they obviously did their homework and they they picked at their Achilles heel and they came out on the right side of it. Yeah, for sure. You touched on a lot of points in the game there. And before we even delve further into that, Pat, you pulled up a few stats regarding mm. Leinster in the European Cup that it's their fourth final in the past six seasons, yeah. stretching back to 2018 victory over Racing and Bilbao. That's going back a while now. Mm. So it's their seventh final in total, this one coming up. So... Do you think it was like a foregone conclusion that they'd go through Toulouse 
Or what did you think? Yeah, I had a, a neighbour of, of, of ours who listens to the show. Uh, Gavin was was, uh, was heading out in the corridor the other day. And I think it was Friday and he asked me, do you think they're going to do it? And I was kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, I think they'll do it. Like, it wasn't 100% confident, but I thought, I suppose it's, it's the same thing about La Rochelle. We might talk about the final as well. It's like, it's the home advantage kind of side to it as well, where, you know, and then it's like, you look at the squad, it's like stack full of Ireland guys who've kind of got over the line, won a Grand Slam as well. So it's like, but yeah, it's, it's almost the same as Ireland in a way. Like, you don't have Sexton, you don't have James Lowe, you don't have Ronan Kelleher, mm. you know, like, uh, you don't have Henshaw as well, and yet they still go out and there's so many lads stepping up. So, um, yeah, I was kind of confident, but not wildly confident. I thought it was going to be really, like, you know, one of those, I think everybody thought it was going to be a classic, like, you know, a, a, a one-score game or something like that at the end. But, um, yeah, Toulouse, it's, it's funny enough, like, when you think that La Rochelle might have Leinster's number, now Leinster seems to have Toulouse's number as well, and kind of, um, yeah, just really know how to shut them down as well. But they got, yeah, very fortunate with the, not fortunate, but like they forced it as well. Like, but those yellow cards made such a massive difference. Like, and even at the end, like Hugo Mahala and, and Antoine Dupont were in the press conference and they were just like, listen, you know, there's a couple of arguments we could have about this and that, but you can't complain when you can see it over 40 points. Like, so they kind of just held their hands up and were like beaten by the better team again. Like, yeah, when that matter, yeah. Toulouse, I think, are five time champions and yeah. Leinster are four time champions. Yeah, and yeah. they're just. They're beating them like handy enough, like do you know what I mean? Which is just crazy to talk about Toulouse, one of the giants of European rugby. But I did think when it started off, I was like, okay, home advantage is going to be huge here for Leinster, and they don't really have many injuries that you alluded to there. But and then Aki came out and scored the first try, and I was like, oh, here yeah. we go now, Leinster are going to be tested. Yeah. And then the yellow cards just changed the whole game. Like it's just, mm. and I suppose that shows at the top level of rugby, you know, Lindsay that once one player goes off, the other team is good enough to find the space and you, mm. your systems start falling apart and even though, like to the, to the naked eye, you might not see it, but like having a winger missing is going to, you're going to have space on the far side or there might be space in behind and Leinster just identified that and they just had their homework done. Even yeah. after the Josh Vanderfleer um, fiasco that we can talk about, they went straight away and they just knew they had their homework done and they just realised that they were a man down and, and scored straight away. Like so. Well, they went for the set piece and like, yeah. Well, a couple of things on the Ramos yellow card, right? Yeah, it was so cynical. But he had to, like, because, it, well, it was a two-on-one and in a very tight area, right? But what I love was a big shout-out to Jimmy O'Brien. I loved this. He was getting sassy. He's like, go on, off with you, off with you. He was raging. And I was like, yes, Jimmy, oh, no. this, I like this idea. Like, he was like, get the boat, yeah. off you go. But I think I watched Ramos against, um, it was the Sharks, wasn't it, in the quarterfinal they played at home. If memory serves me right, and he was exceptional, both in his positioning, mm. his kicking. So to lose a player who's been standout for them throughout this tournament and the season in the fullback position against Leinster, who can mix up their game with kicking, um, and what he then offers in attack and you know link play between backs forwards, whatever his his game is, he's phenomenal. Like, and he carried that from his international into Toulouse. But um, yeah, they identified he was a big loss. Like, you can't lose your fullback, who's who's key to your success. And then the same, full, with, yeah, fullbacks just hold the whole defensive oh, system together. The like, it's like a pendulum. You wouldn't even realize that if you lose your fullback, you kind of lose your structure completely. Hundred percent. And it's a bit like, well, that's for your backs, and then obviously your forwards when they lost one of the front rows, then they go to set piece and then they maul them yeah. over. So. This is what I mean. It's just a very different Leinster. They'd never, they're never under pressure. And we've spoken about there. They put such a, you know, losing by 40 points or putting 40 points on Sluice. They've done that consistently. You know, they've beaten Ulster, Gloucester, Leicester. Like no team seemed to upset them. They mm. do their homework. They stick to their game plan. Except and look, 
La Rochelle. Listen, <laughs> I am actually, I'm going to admit it, I'm nervous. Chris this is the only team in the me. world that have the mental edge over Leinster. Yeah. This the, is the case. Yeah, Pat was chatting. Like the last two seasons, Leinster have lost to La Rochelle yeah. in the European Cup. In the semi-final two years ago in the final last year. Yeah. And you, you, ta- you talk to Leinster lads and they all have this little thing in the back of their head about La Rochelle. So is that going to be a good thing? Is that going to be a bad thing, Pat? What do you think? Yeah, it's like, well, a team comes and they know they have, you know, they, they've done a number on them as well. I suppose maybe the France versus Ireland stuff, kind of like the, the tables return a little bit. So they might have that. Some of the players will know that they've went directly up against these guys. But yeah, then they have to like, you know, like Will Skelton's going to be there, who, you know, like, and Kerr Barlow and stuff like that. They have a few more weapons to them as well. So yeah, I think it will kind of play into it a little bit. And like La Rochelle will probably try and repeat what they've done again. I'm sure Raj will have extra stuff in, in plan for them. But like I was uh, mentioning to Lindsay there, it was like that. Like I had noticed that Toulouse... We're trying to copy what La Rochelle did in the final last year. It's like the minute Leinster get any momentum going, just give away a penalty. Like be as cynical as you want. We're just going to shut you down. Like you're not going to get a try on us. We'll give you penalties, but we're going to shut you down. Like so, they did that as well. But then they paid the price with the yellow card. But it was like we're not going to let Leinster score tries. So that's what La Rochelle will try and do again. And then the other one, which is very interesting, was the Jemison Gibson Park stat at the end that he kicked the ball eleven times. And they gained 350 meters out of that, which is insane. Like, so that's another thing that Rod should be looking at. Like, how do we stop? That's three that? and a half rugby pitches. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's crazy with 11 kicks. That's incredible. It's almost like a success every time. Like, so then, like they'll be doing that thing as well. Like, I, I imagine they'll try and do the same thing again. Shut Leinster down. Don't let them get tries. Give them penalties. Uh, we'll we'll keep ourselves in the fight as well. And then and then see if they can shut down that kind of kicking thing. But yeah, it's, it's got to be in the back of their mind. I'd say like they've beaten them they, comprehensively in that semi final, and then. Uh, edged them out in the mm. final last year like but uh, yeah intra- and then a big chance for lads to, to kind of really step up like it's someone like Ross Maloney now who's kind of like um, was kind of left kind of like he you know like he kind of last year kind of for him he kind of fell down near the end of the season as well and the Jason Jenkins was brought in he still might be brought in for the final mm. Jason Jenkins but lads have a chance to like, like even Jimmy O'Brien again like these guys would be like really chomping at the bit to see if they can get over the line against yeah. La Rochelle like yeah yeah, for sure, 100%. And well, there's, Johnny's not going to be back. And James no. Lowe's uh, still question around his fitness as well. Mm. And Larmer was there. He looked a little bit kind of like he was still figuring it out. He was trying a few things. He was exciting, but yeah. he was trying things that I'm like, I don't know if you should be trying that in the semi final of he European Cup. He was forcing Cup, like, him, wasn't he? A little yeah, bit. Like he saw Ross Byrne giving out to him a couple of times. Mm. But you can't give out to Jordan Larmer that much because he hasn't been playing all season. So he's trying to prove himself, get himself into an Irish team, I'm sure. Um, but I presume he'll be on the wing if James Lowe isn't back. What do you think? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, if Lowe isn't back, then yeah, 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 it would probably pretty much then say the same because even like Jamie Osborne is out then as well. Dave Kearney, like, it's kind of like he's still an option there as well. Like, but yeah, I think Lowe, I think if they could do, they might even sacrifice the URC, like, and say, Lowe, get yourself back for the for the final here if you can, like, and yeah. Um, so that's, I think he's a he's new a father lad. as well, actually, James Lowe. They welcome oh, yeah. a child there. Congratulations, James. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah lovely stuff. Um, to talk, you touched on it there a while ago, um, Lindsay, the Josh Vanderfleer moment. Yeah. What do we make of that now? I was I saw it and I was like, oh, I don't know, both people are in the wrong here. Oh, they were both in the wrong. Like Josh went in completely upright, like, for just, like, fighting a lost cause. But, but it worked out. Listen, I think that was the game plan. I think this was something, obviously, they identified because... It was so out of character for Josh Vanderfleer to 
like counter rook a rook that was it was lost like it was lost completely so, done yeah so i just think that was something that was key and obviously had been alluded to prior to the game and this is the thing we're sitting here as both ex-players and fans and like part of me you want exciting rugby as a fan but as a player you're like whatever you get to get us over the line whether it's cynical or not or whether it's part of the game plan i have been that hot-headed netty <laughs> so i can sit here and say that i have been targeted even during AIL this year, I had a, a chat with one of the clubs, one of their coaches after, and I said, I know you did that. Actually, <laughs> I was chatting to Goose um, last week, uh, two weeks ago after the England match, and when he was coach of Scotland, he sent his nine out to annoy me. We were having an argument at the start of a scrum. So it's just something you do, because men the mental side, you have to get into players. And I think, to be honest, it was nice to see Leinster not being just these you know, compliant guys who stick to the game plan. They were kind of poking the bear, even the Jimmy moment, the Josh Van der Fleer moment. And I think that is going to be needed for going oh, up against yeah. Roger's team because he is also the man who poked the bear whenever he wanted. Like, we know his battles with Sex yeah. and Leinster Munster. So I think it's all part of the plan and all part of the nice building. But do you think Nettie was, like, it was a bit mean to send him off? Like, I, I think just, to be honest, he had the rook sealed, yeah, and the, he, he was yeah. Well, you're supposed to just stand there and let the best player in the world just run and hit you. Like he kind of protected himself. I felt yeah, but like it was just unfortunate that he had his head went then in, into Josh's neck. But then Josh has bent down slightly. I just thought it was a bit like harsh to just go. Okay, yellow card, you're gone. Should have looked at it a bit longer. I felt. Yeah, no, I don't. I think it's different to like a high tackle and yeah. a head-on-head collision. Like to, I've been in that rook where I have used my head. Like, and it's not that you're trying to like knock someone out. You're protecting just trying, yourself. Absolutely, because yeah. I tell you what, if you get counter rooked as a forward, you're like you're being killed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a nice place to be. So yeah. you do everything to protect the wall and protect the rook. So yeah. And, oh, and yeah. do we think? I I feel. Like Josh doesn't get hurt that easy, and he went down like he was hurt, and then he came, he went straight into the mall and scored a try. I was yeah. like, "Oh, Joshy, are we playing games here?" Which is he very smart down? out of him. Yeah, he sat down for a while, like. didn't he? Yeah, he, he as play went on, he yeah. and, and that was I think even didn't tell you have a nice fifty twenty two then immediately afterwards, like, yeah. ten point difference in the game, and then the yeah Van der Fleer is still there. Burns is like, "Okay, we're gonna have a look at it," and then and then the crowd did their bit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got prepped as well for the game plan yeah. plus you have to look at the referee like Wayne Burns he's a great ref but he's pedantic like he is pedantic yeah. and when he's hot on something he's hot on something and I'd say that was another issue that we're like right we're going to get 50-50 calls here but, but there's this thing in rugby where you know and obviously you know as well Pat that you can't be coming in upright whether it's in a tackle or it's in a ruck it's all about bending at the hips and getting low below shoulder height or sternum is the new mm. height that they're talking about you look in the Toulon versus Treviso game Olivon got sent off yeah. for coming in too high in a tackle Josh Van is coming in completely upright into that. And why is it like that he doesn't get ridiculed at all or anything? Like, yeah. I love Josh now, but I'm just like, as the as the scenario that happened, I'm like, why are they just going against Nettie? Like, there's two people in the wrong here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you think, what, what, am I just being too No, I think here? you're right. And I agree with you. Like, do you know, um, I saw bits of the game in and out because when you have a young son, you can see bits of it. So I was like, what's the story with this? And, you know, I'm actually chatting to my dad and he's like, no, no, Nettie, you know, silly of him. And then I'm looking back and I'm like, well, he didn't like kind of loaf him head on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's very hard. And I don't want the game of rugby to go down like soccer where we're on VAR now and we have to stop yeah. the game every <laughs> yeah, two yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, but it's hard until I think we get over this period of really defining what merits a yellow and red card and what is really dangerous to the player. It was interesting um, to hear Wayne Barnes say that he was unsure between a red and a yellow because yeah. it was in the neck area. So that's probably what made the decision for him. But that he 
drop down to a yellow because I think we heard over the ref mic yep. that they want him to go for the lesser punishment, uh, probably to keep the game running if they're yeah. unsure. What do you think of that? Yeah, it was. It was kind of. I was like, Barnes doesn't flash that many reds as well. I don't think. Like, let's no. say someone like Carl Dixon or something like that. He's prone to show the reds and, and like. But yeah, Barnes is kind of like he, he's always willing to be like. Now he knows his own mind, but like sometimes he'll like he, he's willing to be talked out of things sometimes and and kind of. You, I just saw like Barnes would never flash a red there European no. Cup semi final. Like he'd kind of. He, so if somebody was trying to talk him out of it, he's like, okay, listen, we'll go yellow. Like and, but yeah, the more kind of Lindsay talks about it, the more I kind of think, yeah, maybe that. It's almost out of character for Van der Fleer to run in bad body shape into a rook and so and then yet to go down so dramatically like so yeah was it something that they had identified in a way like and and is it something that Barnes doesn't like or something like that and um, oh listen yeah I've had Joy you know Joy Joy yeah. Neville is brilliant like good referees will say you know they bring in you know this and they'll say right you know and even before like I was a hero for offside devil. If teams want to get on it, they'll they'll keep saying, "Oh, look at one, she's offside, sure," and they'll plant that seed and say, "Joy, she'll say, I want you to listen to me. I don't be offside," and she'll give you that. And Wayne Barnes will be the same. There'll be idiosyncrasy for players, for referees, and I think same thing. I just think he knew what he was doing. I looked at the rook so many times; it was lost. Like, yeah. yeah, he's not a stupid guy. Why waste your energy on a rook that like against two big forwards? Like it was who had extended the rook. No way he's counter rooking that. Yeah. So I think he just was... It was a plan of action. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like hats off to him. Like that's unfortunately, it's a game of margins. And in and a semi-final, you got to do it. Complete. And you know what? They're playing the game of rugby like, mm. and he's playing the rules and he did his thing and it worked out. They scored a try. So mm. that's probably why he's the best player in the world. Listen, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. not a world player of the year for nothing, is not he? Not just physically, also mentally, he knows what he's doing and he got Neddy there, unfortunately. And a great pass to, can I just say his... Uh, like tip on pass after Jack, uh, Jack, Jack Conan was exceptional now I thought Jack was going to give him back oh, he yeah, told yeah. me to, I was like oh, oh that's a man who's confident at the moment <laughs> and another person who's lucky to get away is Andrew Porter did you see him dump tackle Malia yeah did you see that I did. I actually I didn't that was an interesting one I didn't see it live but I, I was up in the stands and someone that, that we work with Niall sent me a clip and he was like have you seen this I, I can it, I didn't pick it up but it happened live as well like but uh, yeah, like that's a very easy yellow there. I was like, it was just <laughs> school ground bully stuff. Like, you know, just like take that. It's like what the Incredible Hulk would do to somebody, like and absolutely flatten them. Like and yeah. uh, I think they were just very lucky in a way that Toulouse went through, scored a try soon after, a couple of phases after, and then it just that was it. Let's get on with the game. Like, but it was the one thing that like the Toulouse coach mentioned at the end that like you know again he said we're not complaining too much, but I really thought. You know that that should have been looked at. That was an error, and he's like Wayne Barron's a great top level referee, but he missed that kind of yeah. like mm. he was saying. Like, surprised the TMO didn't shout down and be like, "Have a look at this." Yeah, it was strange. Yeah, it was because it was in the camera shot as well. Obviously, mm. Wayne Barron isn't looking at the camera shot, but you could hear everyone going, "Ooh, yeah." yeah. And, and kind of, usually they would like TMO would be like, "Yeah, we might need to go back. <laughs> I need to show you something." But yeah, went on. In fairness, Malia got up straight away, and Andrew Porter is like a vending machine. Yeah. So maybe Malia just landed on his back, and it was just pile drived into the floor, and it was yeah. fine. Malia's on to Josh Vanderpeer this morning. Listen, but dude, <laughs> yeah. how do I do what you do? How do I stay in the floor? Yeah, unbelievable stuff. Uh, a big thing that I kind of influenced the game was Dupont not playing a scrum half for like yeah. three quarters of the game. The best player, one of the best players in the world, Anton Dupont, probably the best scrum half in the world. Yeah. Would you not keep him at scrum half? Or what do you make of that? 
I found it strange. He went to centre, didn't he? He went to mm. centre and he, he kind of mixed between centre and ten with Entomac. Mm. And he was just playing a kind of sweeper role, just controlling the backline phase play, which I just felt like it was a waste of his abilities. Like, yeah. You want his hands on the ball as much as possible. Like, What do you think? Yeah, well, he's good in open play and I just didn't think, like, to lose where I'm getting, like... Was it, well, the coach is getting blamed for doing a 6-2 split on the bench. But you would do that. Yeah. Six forwards, two backs. Like so, once um, the center went off, that was it. They were goose. Like he he hedged his bets and it didn't pay off really. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it's key. Like you see, like it happened. Claudia McDonald for the women's World Cup because she plays nine wing and she well, I'm sure you could shove her in fullback. So you're looking at utility players if you're going to go for that split. And yet it did backfire. You think, oh, you know, if any of my injuries, it's going to be in my pack. Like I'm not. I don't know why he's getting criticised for that split because. You would go like that's a semi-final. Like you want your forwards. It's, it was always going to be a war of attrition. It was a really quick game mm-hmm. but as between a, as fatigue a, and injury. Yeah, as a top-level coach, you you kind of play out all those scenarios. Like, what if Pierre Louis Barassi goes off after ten minutes? Where do we put? And they they must have planned that Dupont's going to be the one to go into the back line. Or do you think they're just so French? Be like, eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> put Antoine in there. I don't know. Well, or, I'm assuming he bad? did, but I'm yeah. surprised Entomac didn't kind of fill that and leave Dupont there. I know Entomac then covered fullback as well when Ramos yeah. went on. So they brought on Arthur Retier, who was only so cover, covering the back line. Would you not? I know I'm not a coach, but I would have kept Dupont, the best scrum half in the world, at scrum half, and maybe move Entomac or um, Arthur Retier into the centre and just keep yeah. Ant- Antoine Dupont where he is. So he can touch the ball, he can move things around, even though he still played well. It's what do you make of it, Pat? It's funny enough because Retier, even though like he's, you know, he he was with La Rochelle last year and he got the try that kind of won the, for him against Leinster, like, but mm. he's kind of known as a bit of a winger. But he actually's played scrum half himself, like so. You know, they could have brought him on, and yeah, I don't know, like just very yeah. strange like that. And then yeah, they because they had to do that, they had to hold Retier back then to. To cover the rest of them, like yeah, so it's like they really got themselves hamstrung yeah. there. Like, you know, yeah. like, but, um, I think it's I, I think he was he was asked about it after the game Mala and and he said they had done it in the past and it worked out or something yeah. like that. So uh, and then maybe the fact that Dupont can just slot in anywhere, but yeah, his best position would have been up there, as you said, hands on the ball as much as he can. Like so, it hurt them. Yeah, that, yeah it did hurt them. It's a gamble. And it didn't it didn't pay yeah. off for them. Like yeah, exactly. So two yellow cards and I think that Dupont position change is what kind of lost it for them. 100% and it's a game yeah. of small margins when yeah. you come down to the latter stages of knockout rugby it really is and sometimes when you go down to 14 men like we've seen that in games um, Four like tries French women like, oh yeah listen during like, the yellow cards like, that's mad madness usually sometimes you see like an increase because everyone like is saying oh god we have to make up for the mm. man missing but Leinster are kind of like we need to make up for the man missing and kind of turn yeah. the screw so look Leinster fans sitting here happy out but um it might bring us nicely onto La Rochelle because I am not optimistic considering how much they just absolutely mm. cut through extra. Mm. Now we'll go on to La Rochelle game now. One more stat for Mr. Pat. He's just <laughs> unbelievable for this stuff. Leinster scored 126 points over three games in the knockout stages, averaging 42 points per game. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and knockout yeah. rugby. Wow. But they're going up against La Rochelle, as we said. And La Rochelle seemed to have the mental edge against Leinster. Uh, La Rochelle were at home at the weekend. They beat Exeter 47-28. And Exeter scored two late tries to make that not look as bad. But wow, La Rochelle were impressive, weren't they? Oh, I was like... All I was thinking sitting there was, A, these are exceptional and a joy to watch. And B, I'm not... I don't know how I feel about May 20th, you know, because this is going to be the ultimate test. And like, 
for the stat man here, obviously, it's 2018 was the last time they did the double. Mm. Like, so they won the URC. You know, they were knocked out last year, I think, in the semi final. The URC hurt them as much. So I'm wondering now, as we build closer, and Dan Sheen alluded to it in, in his interview, like about just switching off is as important. And like, I'm sitting here already consumed with our shell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they were excellent. They were excellent. Yeah, what should make of it, Pat? It was incredible. They yeah. turned out in their thousands. They seem to have some support yeah. as well. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, there's a good few of the English journalists are over there taking videos, and um, yeah, it's it's incredible to see. Like, yeah, and, and we've been kind of lucky enough to follow them at Rugby Joe this season, and and oh, actually, hopefully, I might get another trip over to France before the, the final as well. Like, yeah, your man crush was exceptional, Gregory Aldridge. Oh yeah, I yeah. thought he was exceptional. Having kind of suffered a little bit in the Six Nations, yeah, and he did. you know, when you put all your chips behind somebody, you, you like, and you're like, and then he's, he's back now. He's <laughs> did back. I curse him? <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, he was brilliant as well, and then. Yeah, their fans are incredible. Like they do have that whole kind of region of the West Coast where they say it's not just La Rochelle, it's the kind of surrounding kind of uh, provinces and stuff like that as well and areas as well. Like, but yeah, they have this like considering that I think twenty fourteen they got promoted from Pro D two and and uh, there was another thing I think it was two or three years later their president reached out to five hundred local businesses and was saying if we all invest in this team we'll get it back, you know, yeah. and they all kind of threw money into it as well and. And they're able to attract like the best talents in the world, and like even there, I think they're getting Ihaya West back next year. Jack Knowles coming over to join them as well, like from Exeter, like so. Um, yeah, they're building something great out there, and all the guys seem to love it. And um, and then Rog almost is just like the Pied Piper, like they just yeah. believe whatever he tells them. And there was a funny one actually. I was listening to a, pr- a press conference with the French media uh, ahead of the game, and one of the journalists asked him, um, "Is it handy that Gregory Aldred is your captain?" And he could speak English to all the guys. Um, or no, he could speak French and he could oh, translate. And Rog took offense to it and was kind of saying, no, like me and, you know, like we all speak French all the time. And yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no translator here. Like we're talking French all the time. And Dunica Ryan would tell you that as well. Like that they're, they want to speak French all the time. Yeah. They're not in there. They're, they're, we're on your turf here. Like, so uh, yeah, he's really bought into it. And yeah, their fans are incredible. And uh, such smart signings like uh, Soutaini, like they got over from. She was excellent. They mm. they got him from Bordeaux, like and mm. um, like he's like a highlight real player, but uh, he's like he had eight defenders beaten and stuff like that, and uh, that offload. Just a nice little offload with two players hanging off him. I was yeah. like, um, how did you get that ball out? Yeah, we were talking even there. We were asking like, you're, he's an Aussie as well, like yeah. and it was like, but Eddie Jones kind of like calling them do a morning. bit of shopping like get Kerr Barlow maybe and mm. then get Sutaini uh, as well yeah. and that could really boost their chances but yeah an incredible team and they just absolutely destroyed <coughs> Exeter didn't they yeah. and the most impressive thing for me about La Rochelle is it just shows how good Rogers as a coach and his backroom staff and director of rugby whatever's mm. going on in, in La Rochelle is their team is just incredible but they're not like world renowned international stars he's just found these incredible players mm. from different places like Tutini as you said was born in Adelaide in Australia but yeah. he's played for Samoa yeah. so he's capped for Samoa a couple of times they've Hastoy who's yes. only 25 he's played for France twice but he's incredible he was running the show and mm. he's not even in the French team um, they've Raoul that you've mentioned <laughs> too on the wing a South African lad played in the Teddy court. Thomas yeah Teddy Thomas they all these lads Racing yeah, Favre, who, who only just came in yeah. because the other guy was injured. Like, all these incredible players that, like Skelton, 
that like do you know what I mean? if you look at the Leinster team for instance they're, it's the Irish team yeah, yeah. where the La Rochelle team isn't the French team do you know what no, I mean yeah, guys, yeah. so they're playing week in week out they're training week in week out together they have the full top 14 season together yeah. so I think that's why they're so good they've really just thought about who they want to bring in Cabarlo's another one yeah. do you know I mean? 50 caps or something for New Zealand I'm not sure exactly how many so these guys are could be playing international rugby but they're just not and just earning their living over in La Rochelle so I think this just really shows how good the coaching staff is yeah. um, and as well how well how well their game plan is yeah what I was really impressed with them on this is my point is I don't know how Leinster are going to beat this considering their second line of attack um, so Exeter tried to come off the line really really uh, tried to put really good line speed on except yeah. there was dog legs to beat the band and <laughs> La Rochelle just picked them off La Rochelle did the same to Exeter but they come up and they for anyone who doesn't they hunt high so you're like your herding sheep and they absolutely smashed them on the gain line behind the gain line they just caught any momentum like they made the likes of mm. I thought Simmons played well at eight um, and obviously he'll move on as well he's going is he going to Wardell? Montpellier, Montpellier I think yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought he did well but they just any avenue Exeter went to go down and even the the Raymond ruled first try was just a little chip over the top. He just a little deft touch. It was like a soccer mm. skill and he just in in the corner. Um, his second try was a crossfield kick. And then Teddy Temos comes off and you think, all right, how does someone come on, going from racing, French, international, really high um, profile player. And he just slots in and they just look like a group of guys. A, know their game plan defensively, which is key. Yeah. But attack-wise, they're not afraid to express themselves and they're very, very smart rugby players. So mm. it's never... Like, their variation of tries was exceptional. Like, props are getting on the score sheet. Their mm. centres are getting on the score sheet. Um, That's what I mean. Like, they're world-class players world class. that aren't getting taken away to the international training camps. Like, so they're all just always in La Yeah, yeah I think big that's time. why they're so good. Another one's like Alton Delan, the one from, yeah, from yeah. our home. Like he's he con- did great. Played a couple of times for Ireland. He's over there now, started at six. Like, mm. you know, that's another. He could be playing international rugby. He's just not because he's over in France now. Yeah. And a big shout out to him. Like, he's been yeah. tough. Moved over, decided to get out of Connacht. Like, and it's been, it's paid off, obviously, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I think he said he had always made a promise to his mum that he'd go back and play in France yeah. for a bit as well. And, and he, I remember talking to him. He said he had to have a talk with Andy Farrell, and it was like, it was almost like kind of good luck. You know, like, you know, I'll keep an eye on you, but like, you know what you're doing here. You're kind of, I think he's 18 caps for Ireland, yeah. but uh, the likes of Treadwell came in to cover him. Like, he was still involved with the Irish squad, like, but he took a kind of brave decision that, like, I'm going to go here. I want to play. He's dead right. Yeah. And, he did and a lot of injuries, so didn't he, for a while? And it really mm. got, that was a bad time where he he just, yeah. he was out of the squad and he just wasn't playing. People started writing him off. I just don't think he was as happy in Connacht as he had been initially. Like, yeah. He's hundreds, go to Larissette, live in the sun, yeah. play for Raj, get your big contract. He was out on the 15 metre channel a couple yeah. of times I saw him in the first half and he did exceptional. I thought he had a really, mm. really good game. Really yeah. solid. He looks like a guy yeah. back loving his rugby. To switch the blind side, yeah. Like, and yeah. have a big <laughs> impact as well. Like crazy. Like, like that top See, level rugby. Yeah. yeah, I know a couple of lads that are friends with him and he says he's much happier over Oh, there, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that he was upset in Connacht. He's just really happy with his lifestyle over in La mm. yeah. like He's a nice speaks, guy. And he speaks French as well, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, incredible stuff. But um, Raj had a couple of things to say around the game. He was quick to, quick to correct Martin Bayfield, who was the BT Sport presenter, mm. when he said that Leinster did not have two big games before the Champions Cup final. And then Raj butted in and said, no, to be fair, sorry, Leinster do have that because they have a quarterfinal of the URC and a semi-final. I presume if they win that quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's funny that Raj is very aware <laughs> of everything that's going on. But he also said that um, 
you kind of argued that La Rochelle of a 10-1 season. Yeah. Saying the top 14 is a proper slog and you have to be playing at top level for 10 months where Leinster only need to peak for certain parts. Which I just thought, I don't know if that's right now. Do you know, does Leinster to play in the URC, which is a bit of a slog as well. Yeah, yeah. And then they have all the European Cup games. And I think they both just have really deep squads and Rogers didn't need to come out and say that I know not many people have taken it up but I feel like he's coming up with excuses already before the final what no, do you think? I'll tell you what exactly he's doing <laughs> he's starting to play the games yeah I see you Rog I see you <laughs> no 100% he's starting to play the game yeah and I think you're right it's not that he's preparing himself either way he's starting to play mind games he's starting to plant the seed He's starting to get his players riled up. He's taking the pressure off his players by saying he's a 10-1 season. So I think he's an exceptionally, exceptionally talented man in how he plays the mind games. He's And I, you know what I like about him? He's protecting his team. He's taking all that flack. He's no problem. He's like a politician. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, yeah. Tell you here. We have a 10-1 season. I think you're right. I think the fair point is that the URC and um, Robin McBride said it in an interview, I think I was reading this morning yeah, before yeah. coming in, that he said like, you know, they are upset by their loss um, in the URC last year, the semi-final. They're trying to look at things and balance things out and how they're going to get their squad right. Like, they're competitive. Like, Leinster, and Rog will play on that, that Leinster want to win. Definitely the European is top of their their, their goal, but they will want to walk away with a URC. Of course they do, uh, yeah. championship will, will also be at home if they, make, if they continue on winning. So... I think he's just an exceptionally intelligent man and he's playing mind games. But I think, oh, 100% he is poking the bear. Because the thing with La Rochelle is, um, Pat doing some great research again, they have a multi-millionaire owner and operate on a 10 million annual budget. Yeah. So that's why they can afford all these world-class players and just keep them in La Rochelle having a great time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, um, it's the kind of woe is me type of stuff. And yeah, Raj was saying after the game, it was like, uh, oh, people think it's funny that I'm not thinking about the final, but that's, I'm only going to think about my team the week's final. That's because we have to play Toulon and Montpellier, and you know it's it's such a tough tough league. And and like he was already, yeah, as you said, started to kind of play the thing, and then immediately, yeah, Robin McBride is up for press conference yesterday. He immediately gets asked about it then as well. Like, um, oh, you know, Rod says the top fourteen is tougher as well. So you're having to, you're almost on the back foot. You're having to defend it. And Leo Cullen's being pretty spiky. You know, he's not normally he's an absolute master at press conferences. Normally, mm. he doesn't say doesn't give much away. But I think last week and then after the game as well, um, I think he was asked after the game, like the revenge factor, like going against La Rochelle if they beat Exeter. And he just said, no, you're completely disrespecting. You know, like mm. air players are motivated by more than this. And like, and he thinks everybody's dismissive of Leinster and what they do. Like, so Rog probably knows about that. And then, yeah, he's thrown out more kind of chum into the water. Like, you know, like... Uh, Getting them roiled up. Yeah, like, get into yeah. this. Like, oh, listen, you know, they're tough. You know, it's, it's, it's easy for these boys. Like, you know, like, but... Yeah, it was, it, was, it was masterful. But then, interesting to see, he did step in because, like, yeah, Bayfield, it's almost like, yeah, uh, just, oh, yeah. Like, you know, Leinster, they can rest, lads, at that. But it's like, yeah, they're playing Sharks on Saturday. Yeah, like, and, they can't. You know, Sharks, like, Manpimpi, yeah. like, Lucanuam, Etzebets, like, they'll be coming. They're like, they're no chumps, like, you no. know, like, so, um, yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. And then they'll play Glasgow or Munster if they win that game as well. Sure, like, the Sharks so. beat Munster in the European quarterfinal, like, yeah, you know, yeah. So it's not going to be an easy game. But the, I think, Another reason why La Rochelle and Leinster have gone to the cream of the crop is they have these deep squads where they have their mm. B teams that are essentially the best teams in Europe as well. Yeah. Like they can send out their B squad and they'll, they'll win a game. Like, do you think that's been a big factor in the season, Lindsay? Hugely. I think it's, you know, we always ask this question, what's the secret to Leinster? And it is the fact that they will rotate their squad. They keep injuries. Now, the injury list is probably still a little bit high for me. Like Jamie mm. Osborne's still out. Uh, Tommy O'Brien was only back. He's gone. Um, Rudock Abeladze, is out. Yeah. Rudock. 
Um, but then you have Jenkins come back in who scored an exceptional try. You've Luke McGrath there who's, she's you forget about him in ways and like I thought Gibson Park was exceptional the weekend, you know, and I think yeah. it will be the battle of the two nines mm. um, come May 20th. So, no, I think he's done well, but I think uh, Colin McBride and all the coaching team there will be tested over the next couple of weeks of how do they balance their, I suppose, their European starters for game time if they're coming back. Like, how are they going to rob, manage Robbie Henshaw? He's yeah. been in and out. He's been mm. exceptional when he plays, but then he's injured again. And that's um, the thing, they have four massive games coming up. Four massive games. Like, that's, the Shark are waiting, yeah. in the, they're waiting in the long grass. So, the quarterfinal, semi-final, final of the URC, we're mm. presuming Leinster going the whole way. Mm. And then the European final as well. So, that's four huge games. Yeah. You can't play the same 23 for the those four games no but like you know you've Rob Russell probably coming in you know uh, oh, Cormac what's the name Foley Foley, Foley at, at nine so like all these guys have been blooded mm. throughout the season for these moments and it's it's time to shine and I think the other bit is we I don't think we'll see the loss of the 50 point loss I think it was a nice kick up the backside to be honest to remind them that these are professional outfits that we're playing you can't take mm. every game for granted and you're, you are only as good as your last win but you have to park that and concentrate and I think that was Rob McBride was saying yeah great we're true to a final but we haven't won anything we need to park that URC is just as important now players need game time we need to stick to our game plan we need to win we'll do our homework and we'll go out and it'll be another match and I think they're in the Aviva which is disappointing this weekend because I think the RDS is a four fortress for games like that and yeah. especially for <laughs> players who are on the fringes who come in now I think it's a nice it's a nice stadium they're used to it but I think Bruce Springs team is like alright boys get out yeah, I'm Brucey, just singing here Brucey's going to have residence <laughs> in the RDS in fairness might go along to that myself um, don't forget about me and Pat <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't get invited to anything yeah, we come along yeah. well as you're saying the big loss that the, Le- the Leinster lads had down in South Africa would a gig, good kick up the hole for them and I presume Leo Cullen would be like, no, lads, you, you need to have the URC as your little baby now and go out and win this. But the likes of like Liam Turner and, and mm. all of those kind of guys. And Rob Russell, is he still around? He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's is, not yeah. injured anymore, is he? So Harry Byrne, guys like that need to step up and just like grab that the bull by the horns because they can't use the same guys across the four games. There's going to be injuries. I think um, Dan Sheen will lose that. Alludes to yeah. that in this chat in the next couple of oh, minutes. Kelleher is so. due to come back. Abeladze yeah. is there. Um, Michael Milner is on oh, the yeah. injury list, I think, as well, isn't he? He's just yeah. back. So um, Joe McCarthy is coming back. Mm. Um, they're going to monitor him. So it's the beauty of the end of the season, like just having these deep squads. Hugely. Yeah. One thing I would like to see. Obviously, we mentioned Jordan Larmer, and he's been a guy who's who's had great moments in the URCs, great moments in in some of the European round robin. I think he did some great things the weekend. But I'd like to see him start. I'd like him to see his decision-making and game management a little bit better because I think that will get him. Um, I think he will play mm. probably in the final, depending on injuries. But he will play some involvement. And I think, yeah. especially if I'd like to see him do that for not only this, but for Ireland going forward, you know, if he wants a chance, like these are the moments. Um, because I think he's a guy who's really tried. No more than Jacob Stockdale, you know, these guys mm. are... Rugby is the game you can force. You yeah. know, that's the thing. So it's hard being on the outside. But I'd like to see him now really have a standout game this weekend and build on the good performance, parts of the good performance we saw on Saturday. And then, yeah, I think just a game management. But I did like the fact that Harry Byrne is really starting to... Um, sorry, Ross Byrne is really starting mm-hmm. to get into that role at 10. And like there's less whisperings of what are we going to do without Johnny? Yeah, which yeah is lovely. that's true, actually. It's really, yeah. really nice. And I think... John, we've all played under, you know, any good teams, whether it's the D- D- DuPonts 
or the Johnny Sexton's is always one of the halfback pairings that are these like generals are like you aren't doing your job whether that's <laughs> Jordan Armour just was the unfortunate one but I've been there where you're like you didn't clear that rook you didn't clear that rook you didn't block that kick for me and you're like mm. okay good they're the standard you uphold um, yeah for sure so I think yeah I think it'll be a nice run in for Leinster but it'll just be managing injuries game time and uh, this side of things yeah pretty cool for the Byrne family as well to see Ross coming off in the semi-final and Harry going yeah, on yeah so that's like, lovely yeah. Like brothers, like running one of the best European teams around. Yeah. Like it's just incredible. Like you can only imagine how proud. Yeah, yeah. Are. Imagine yeah. you're a little fellow like that. <laughs> That'd be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> In years to come. Um, so Exeter as well. Uh, Ronan had a little bit more to say. Ronan O'Gara. He described it as Exeter's last dance, and we kind of chatted about it a little bit earlier. They're losing most of their good players now. Yeah, yeah. Jack Noel is going to La Rochelle. Uh, Sean O'Brien, we chatted with his brother last week. He's coming to Munster. Stuart Hogg's retiring. He actually played really well when he came on, Stuart Hogg. Uh, Luke Cowan-Dickey going to Montpellier. Sam Simmons going to Montpellier. Joe Simmons going to Pau. Dave Ewers going to Ulster. And a couple more leaving the club. So Exeter yeah. are just going to be depleted. Just a bad couple of weeks for Exeter now, is it? Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it must be salary cap related. or I was just going to ask, what's the story? Yeah. Like Ian Witten retiring as mm. well. Like It's like they've lost like 15, 16 players. Like, so... There must be some kind of way of, I don't know, they must have had to kind of clear ship. And, and, or maybe they've just seen what's happened to some of the other guys. You know, like yeah. they've saw Worcester, they've saw like, um, you know, the, the, the clubs going to the wall then as well. And, and then even there, like London Irish are supposed to be now in, in trouble as well. Oh, yeah. Like, so they're probably just like, you have to just clear it. And then, I don't know, hope that the next generation comes through and pick up a few Irish lads on the side that, yeah. you, know, like, you know, that might not be needed at the provinces. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, big, yeah, big. Kind of, there's a lot going on for over in English rugby at the moment, isn't there? Is Rory O'Loughlin staying? He, as far as I'm aware, he's yeah, he didn't say. Yeah, um, yeah Sean O'Brien had a good game. Yeah, yeah. Did. Obviously, we had Connor on last week. Now Sean definitely has a, a much more Mullingar head in him. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, poor Alexa. See, it's going to be a tough season for him next season, I'm sure. But mm. um, they did okay. Talking about the Challenge Cup, guys. Before we move on to the Women's Six Nations, mm. Toulon. As we expected, smash Benetton 23-0 in Toulon. But like, I was watching the game and they're just star-studded throughout. I'm actually surprised that they're in the Challenge Cup. Yeah. The pre-seed eight, Cheson Cobley on the wing, yeah. Filier on the wing, Olivon was at seven, even though he got red-carded after like 14 <laughs> minutes. Like, just ridiculous. They're out half damn bigger. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know what? It's like going on like a... PlayStation game for rugby and just creating an <laughs> so awesome like the game. PSG yeah rugby, aren't they really <laughs> it's like this is so unfair on Benetton Benetton 23-0 uh, I thought when the, too long got the red card that they might fight yeah, back yeah. but they just didn't like it's just too much firepower wasn't it Pat yeah yeah and like Parise there's like he's I don't think he's ever officially retired from Italy no. like but there was talk there even again after he played so well that like could Italy not do with him like even yeah. as a a replacement or something like that and I think he's probably three years since he's played for Italy but he's still what is he, 38 now or something like that he played the full 80 minutes and did yeah. you see his assist for the first yeah. try yeah. he went to the first receiver and kicked the ball through I was like this lad like he's some he's backs couldn't do that yeah yeah, yeah incredible I, I think he's he's reaping the rewards actually not playing in yeah, rugby yeah. it's extended his career and he looks mm. like he's again I think he's not an exhausted version of himself after you know like he used to have, historically have a really tough I wonder what, well, yeah, what's his own thinking of? Does he go, does he, you know, like with the World Cup coming up, it's like, hey, listen, if you need me, yeah. you know, like, I'll, I'll go play a World I'll Cup. I'll just leave like, my number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he probably would, in fairness, like. 
Um, and the other one, the other semi-final was Scarlets versus Glasgow. It was on in Scarlets. Mm. Um, half time, I think they went in 14 all, or was, it was quite yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah. Half time, yeah. and then Glasgow came out and just pulverized and 35-17. Then they won. Yeah, it's kind of fair enough, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the two best sides left in that competition, kind of contesting the final. That'd be good. It's going to be Friday night and. In Dublin then as well. well. Start starter yeah. to oh, that yeah, weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, yeah. So you'll have French and Scottish fans over for it then as well. Have, mm. That'll be a big weekend then, won't it? Like, yeah. God, it'll be manic. It's Hopefully the, f- the sun will shine. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the first Scottish side in a European final, is what I heard, which is amazing. I was surprised at that. Yeah, I think I, I saw some. Are tw- we? I saw someone tweeting yeah. that, and then somebody said maybe Edinburgh might have got Challenge Cup before or something like that, or maybe someone corrected it. Or, yeah. um, but yeah, like that. I suppose all the years they've been in it, they haven't really kind of achieved or overachieved I suppose you call it like mm. but um yeah it'd be good you know big thing for them like um again they 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 play Munster then coming up at the weekend as well but then they have that to look forward to so um yeah you know big big things for them and then what's the other thing oh yeah because of those the way those results worked out it just means Connacht are nearly nearly they've nearly got Champions Cup rugby so the only thing that can prevent them getting Champions Cup rugby is if Sharks win the URC. Somebody said over the weekend, like so. Yeah, I was going to put you on the spot back. Can you explain that to us? How that's all going to happen? So if Sharks win, they have to stay in the top. Yeah, eight, obviously. yeah, and then that would bump Connacht down, and then you still have to have a Welsh side, um, that would take the last spot. Then that would be Connacht, so like so. So if Toulon beats Scarlets, then that means oh, Scarlets no, have. Toulon beat Glasgow. But Glasgow, yeah. yeah. No, but no, sorry. If oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Scarlets have to be in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're going to get a spot. If Scarlets had won the challenge, challenge Cup, then they would have taken a spot then as well. Like, yeah, and then it would have bumped Connacht as Back well. Down. So yeah. yeah. So so very like I was almost like sometimes you're on Twitter and you're hoping that somebody does your homework for you, and then you're like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's exactly. <laughs> so basically, Connacht like aren't completely safe yet. We have to see how the next couple of games play. They'll out. be weirdly enough. Well, they play Ulster first. Like you know, you know, they will hope to do the business themselves. Mm. Uh, but they'll be kind of cheering on Leinster at the weekend then, because if Leinster beat Sharks, they're qualified for the Champions Cup then. Like so, this will be the first time the West. Yeah, chair, yeah. It's so confusing all these different competitions. Yeah, there, yeah. But we hope Connacht stay in there. Um, so Toulon and Glasgow will be playing it out. In I think it's nice Glasgow are in. I think on the back of a really successful, like their international mm. team are going well. I think they've they've played some nice stuff mm. as have uh, Edinburgh in the you know yeah, they have yeah. been good inconsistent a bit but they've put in some good performances so it's nice to see some different faces in a point. Mm. And do we think it's a positive thing for Munster that Glasgow will have one eye on the on that final because Munster are playing Glasgow next yes. week. Well, I think it'll help them. Yeah. I think, um, but I think now you know there's been a turn of fortune and I think I'd like to see Munster just finish off the end of the season as. You know, consistently with the performances that they put in, like the good performances, like the the new age monster. So a bit of the old with the new and the mm. expansive rugby that we've seen play. So I'd like to see that regardless of anyone else. I think they just need it for themselves. Just play it for themselves. So Ireland, unfortunately, lost 36-10 away to Scotland. But they kind of held them for a while. Was- I think it was up to the 60th minute where, unfortunately, the wheels come off. And I definitely yeah. saw a different Ireland, um, which was lovely to see. They were playing, they were putting phases together, winning collisions, making gain lines. Set piece was a lot more consistent. Still questions over the line-out. But, um, yeah, Nicola Friday got her second try, has really led from the front, to be fair to her. Um, as a captain, Joel had to do a lot of the media and mm. a lot of focus on her and her team. Yeah. And um, yeah, really played a captain's part. So um, I think just fatigue and maybe lack of experience come in in the last 20 minutes. Scotland probably showed 
they put all together their good piece. I thought some of their play was exceptional. Francesca McGee's try was ridiculous. Actually, unfortunately, it was Nick Friday who came out of the line, left a dog's leg, and then a mismatch. And Francesca McGee, you think Dan Sheen hit the afterburners? Yeah. She absolutely came in, she came out, she meandered, and she got a try right under the post. And I think that just ignited Scotland. Um, Rachel Malcolm got her first try, the Six Nations, and she's been around a long time. Scotland's captain, she's exceptional. Um, Chloe Raleigh, which we knew would she, she'd be mm. a pain in anyone's side. Um, and Leah Bartlett, who was probably quiet considering she'd scored two tries the previous week. But um, Scotland had a load of 50 cappers. They have a mm. lot of experience in their squad. Um, Helen Lanson was there as well. She has 50 plus, 51 cap, 51st cap, I think, uh, against Ireland last weekend. So she was there at 10 and I just think some of their key positions, Jay Conkle was exceptional as well. Conkle Roberts, she'll kill me for not giving me her, her full marriage name. Um, so I think those they, those players I mentioned were always going to be key um, because of their experience and what they played through. Um, and that experience, which we've alluded to on the show week after week, the mixture of experience with the likes of Jay Conkle-Roberts, who was again 50-plus caps, Chloe Raleigh, Helen Nelson, Rachel Malcolm, um, all of them coupled with, like, you know, the new age, Francesca McGee's, who had, geez, that's her first try, but I don't, she, she's only really? a couple of caps yet. That was her first uh, international really? try, as far as I know, I'm open for correction, mm. but, mm. and it's that coupling of um, experience and, and youth and inexperience that'll build it up. Do you know what I mean? Because you are at the, for every team, it was the first, obviously, tournament since the World Cup so everyone's starting afresh nearly in a new four year cycle building up to 2025 World Cup in England which by the way can we say is probably going to absolutely blow records out of the water again oh, yeah. considering what they did on, on Saturday in Twickenham but yeah. um, I thought the girls played really well and I think just the last 10 minutes 20 minutes just unfortunately Yeah so it's closing stages then Scotland scored four tries but like if we say what 50 to 60 minutes Ireland were there yep. thereabouts with Scotland so I think people need to take context of the whole game like, that is very good yep. three quarters of a game to be battling it out like that um, and it just comes to what you're saying there experience more time together maybe game management game management and then you see off the last 20 minutes and you might get a win unfortunately the girls came last in the Six Nations so they didn't win any games out of the five but what we just said there at the Scotland game and last week against England they held them for 30 minutes mm -hmm. so all hope isn't lost. And I don't want people to be like, oh no, the Irish women's team, they're no good. They are. There's something there. They're working on it. They just need to capitalise on it now. But the issue is now they're going into the tier three of the W15, uh, yeah. which is not a good place to be because they're going to be playing against poor level teams and they won't really be improving. Or what do you think about that? So I think it comes back to what we said. Like, um, It is their worst finish, unfortunately, since 2004. That's the last time we got the wooden spoon. And we did also get... No, 2004 and, and 2002. And 2002. No, that's okay. 2002 we did, but 2004 we did also. But the, the big thing for this, and I think it's okay. just mirroring exactly where the women's game is at, minus 167 points at the end of a tournament with no points on the board, no, not even a bonus point lose, is it, just unfortunately really showcases exactly how far behind. Like everyone else got a head start, yeah. but it's probably a 100 meter head start. And that's an awful lot to catch up on, especially now like you've just said, that we're in tier three. So we're playing the likes of Kazakhstan, Colombia. Like they're they're not renowned rugby mm. nations. We are. And I think, again, it just showcases that if you, like it does, I think it was a someone asked, uh, commented on Twitter and just to probably maybe come back to that, 
the 10 years of neglect I was alluding to is that when you win a Grand Slam in 2013 and you win a championship again in 2015, these are showcasing as to where you are. Mm. And these are, are milestones where you build on that. And you have to have insight into the game and look at other nations. And, you know, you, you do your research into where the women's game is going. So how do you build on your success to make sure that you're up with that or not that far behind? Yeah. And that was my point um, that we probably... And we've done it in the men's game. We've done it in the 20s. But we ha I don't feel we've done it enough. We haven't done it. I don't feel. I know we haven't done it enough mm. on the women's side. So, um, yeah, it's... There is some exceptional athletes there, some exceptional players, but we all know in this room that, you know, we've alluded to Leinster and how they develop players. You have to be playing high-class test games because they're harsh learnings, but harsh learnings that you learn from. Yeah. That you go back into training and you set goals and you build and you build and you build. And I just don't know where we're going to go from there and that to get good test games. In my opinion now, we have to look at tier three and maybe look at blood and new players and really getting the confidence back in. Mm. But we also, and work our way up to tier two through promotion, which we should do. So I'd be right in saying, so the Women's Six Nations isn't going to be a thing next year. It's just going to these tier threes and tier No, we will have Six Nations. So six nations as this well. is now like replacing, I suppose, I suppose, Autumn Internationals. So okay. this will be played through October, November. Okay. Region. So that's, that'll, that play, then there'll be a break and then we'll have the Women's Six Nations as normal. Okay. So this is an extra... Um, way of world rugby getting test games for um also those like kazakhstan and colombia deserve to have test mm. games outside of whatever national tournaments they have yeah or you know so to get them and the t the tournament for the world cup in 2025 will increase from 12 teams to 16 so again it's world rugby doing what exactly what they did for men trying to increase the, i suppose non-renowned or smaller mm. countries and getting rugby in there and getting the caliber of rugby up to to make it rugby overall a world-class really yeah. expansive game they're doing that for the women's as well and this is a great way of doing that and mm. um, but unfortunately i i just feel like i think this time last year in the show we were talking about oh, ireland have to finish you know for tier one mm. and then at worst you know it would have been like tier two right okay it's not ideal but we'll be there um and I was listening to one of the Welsh players, Alex Hallander, speaking about, you know, it's going to be tough in tier one. They were guaranteed it, but that's where they want to be. And we can talk about the France and England's, but we're so far behind the Wales, Scotland and Italy. That's the sad part. Yeah. Teams we were consistently beating and rarely lost against, you know. Yeah, so the top three teams, England, France and Wales, are gone into the tier one. And Scotland and Italy are playing it out against Spain for going to I tier think, two. I uh, think, who finished fourth? Uh, Scotland. So Scotland are guaranteed tier two and it's Italy who will play off with Spain. So whoever loses that playoff will come into tier three come with tier Ireland. Three with us. Okay, not ideal, not ideal. But maybe like the women playing in this tier three will allow them to kind of focus on improving and getting some wins and feel happy with each other and, and go out against the likes of Kenya, Spain, and well not Spain, Kenya, Fiji, Colombia, Kazakhstan and get a win against them and then build up again for Six Nations next year. Hugely, I think what we need to do, and again this is the players, like they're such skillful, they will get there, they need time. It was an unfair hand they were dealt, I suppose, for mm. previous decisions made. So again, nothing to do with the players. What we need to do now is use that window to get players confidence, get new players yeah. caps. But I also think now it's time for us to really sit back and look from a wide angle lens and see how do we improve our domestic? How do we get our players as much game time as we can and feed that up into international? So this has to be a holistic now approach to improving the women's game overall. Because, do you know, the, what I've seen for suggestions and nothing's set in stone about what the season plan will look at. Like you have to fit in an awful lot of rugby for possibly just one cohort of players. So like that, that would be the W15s, the Celtic League is still there. 
um, and then your women's six nation but how then do we do that with the AIL and under 18s who were competing in in the their under their six nations championship yeah. a couple of weeks ago so yeah I think we just need to take a breath let the dust settle have no knee-jerk reactions mm. and um, yeah I hope the girls are just celebrating now and spending time with each other and getting back to the ones that yeah love. exactly and there's kind of chit chat this morning reporting that Greg Williams might be yeah. stepping down what do you think Pat yeah, I think yeah, Rory O'Connor had that in the Irish Independent, and nice one, yeah. um, and yeah, it seems to be it, it's it hasn't been confirmed yet by the IRFU. Maybe we might get a, an email or or some kind of confirmation later on this afternoon or tomorrow. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of see like uh, like is it an opportunity? I I kind of was wondering now, do they try and show their commitment to this kind of like we're we're all in on this now by trying to bring in a big name? I I was even showing in the likes of like. Simon Middleton might be leaving England. I was thinking that myself. Do you tempt him over? <laughs> Wayne Smith, do you tempt him over from New Zealand having kind of brought them to a World Cup? Like, do they go out and do they make a big appointment and show you, oh, we're serious about this now? Uh, so Greg, yeah, came in, had a tough, um, didn't do everything perfect, didn't say everything perfect, but uh, from the people who know him, like he seemed to care a lot, you know, like he, he threw all of his, you know, commitment into it as well. Like, But it seems like his... Maybe he just put his hand up. It'll be interesting to see how it worked. Did he walk away? Was the you know was the pressure too much and stuff like that? But uh, yeah, it's it looks like that's the the first big change to come, and who will see what will happen after it then as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, you said there earlier, England versus France, Le Crunch on a Twicken Stadium. Sixty thousand people went to the game. Um, to put that in perspective, uh, Pat was saying that the Arsenal versus Wolfsburg game had sixty thousand fans as well which is a football game, obviously. It just shows that rugby and women's sport has a big following if it's given the funding and given the spotlight it needs. Isn't that right, Lindsay? Yeah, and that it was one of the Arsenal uh, women's have, have followed them on their media and they had one of their players who has been there the 10 years. So 10 years ago, they played that same fixture and there was over 1,300. So this is what I mean about, I think FIFA have put in a 10-year plan and when, mm. like, when you're hitting those milestones and moving the margins every time you kind of review that's what you can see the success and like this this isn't a blame game you have to hold up your hand and say things aren't right this isn't just all teams regardless of gender it happens you know there's swings and roundabouts peaks and troughs and I think it'll be how we bounce back from this finally because I don't think we can get any lower regards earned however I can't lie I was ridiculously jealous a lot of the <laughs> teammates I play with railway went over to that game some of the girls who were playing in England were at that game they sent videos like the English players walking into Twickenham like mm. it honestly was like the Queen was there again you know or the <laughs> King was there like people were just like flying the noise was ridiculous England did really like they were sublime they were both it was a great game but like they went 33-0 ahead and then all of a sudden like France came back and it ended up 38-33 so it's an exceptional game of rugby some of the offloads from France some of the play from England like they are at a different level yeah. and I, I need to give both unions credit especially England what they have done what they've invested they had their plan they already have a new 10-year plan um to just professionalise the whole even club setting over there. Like their ambition knows no bounds and, and that's the scary part. But it's also something lovely to see when you're a female athlete that I've been on from the bottom up and you're kind of like in ways so jealous, but in other ways so proud. And it's it's an mm. emotional time looking at that from both sides. Like I'm so, I have a really heavy heart looking at Ireland because I'm a past player. I have so much love for that jersey as we all do in this room. Again, regardless of who's playing in it. and regardless of what sport, if it was Irish chess, I'd be like, go on. <laughs> Do you know, so, but 
I suppose you always have to stay, and I am a glass half full kind of girl. Um, there will be better days ahead, and we will look back at this hopefully as the main turning point to ignite that that change. And we aim for the likes of England and and France, and I think Vernier, you know, what one wish she's she was interviewed, what one wish would you have? And she said, I want this atmosphere and these new rec like that record was blown out of the water. To put it into context, I think the nearest record before the 58 plus thousand was 28. So they wow. nearly doubled it. So that's how quickly women's sport, and especially women's rugby, which we've said in this show, is the fastest growing sport. You know, Incredible. we just don't want to be left behind. No, no, we definitely do not. Um, URC quarterfinals are this weekend, guys. Yeah. Ulster, Connacht up in Kingspan. I can't see Connacht getting a win up there. Ulster just, it's a fortress up there. Fortress. But we'll see. Maybe if they have Mac Hansen playing and a couple of others, they might be all right. Stormers versus Bulls down in Cape Town. At least they don't have to travel too far. That South African uh, derby there. Yeah. That'll be a cracker, I think. It will be, a, be cracker. a cracker. Uh, Leinster Sharks. Sharks do have to travel up to the Viva Stadium to play Leinster, as we said. And then Glasgow Munster. Munster away over to Scottsdale. So How that, do you think they'll do? I feel like Munster are going to win. I feel like they had a good couple of weeks in South Africa. They grew closer together. They got some good wins. They battled it out. They're not dealing with too many injuries. Um, and Glasgow, I think, are going to have one eye on this European Challenge Cup final. And Glasgow, although, although they're playing all right, they're kind of falling slightly out of form. Um, and Munster are coming into form. So, And also, I'm just a hopeless optimistic when it comes to Munster. So I'm hoping we can get the win, get into the semi-final, because uh, the boys are flying it. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, I think that's it. Like, if uh, I, like it would be amazing, like their first season, like to, if they were to go, because uh, they'd most likely then go play Leinster again in the semis. Like, but if they were to go to South Africa and get two good results, then go to Glasgow and get a win over there, you know, real dogs mm. of war, kind of like on the road here, mm. kind of they they fancy their chances then of going up against Leinster. It'd be a real kind of like shot to nothing almost as well. Like so. Um, yeah, from from being in the depths of we where we thought they might not even, uh, you know, make Champions Cup, make the the knockout stages, then to being there like that, that South Africa trip has been brilliant for them. So they're going to hope mm -hmm. that they keep that momentum going. So, um, yeah, it'd be very tight. Like, uh, yeah, that'd be another one that like I think it could just turn on one big moment or something like that. So yeah. hopefully that moment goes Munster's way. But yeah, they're certainly capable yeah. of, of beating Glasgow over there. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'd hate to be coming up against Munster like in knockout rugby. Yeah. They're just, they somehow just turn it on. Yeah. Oh, I want Leinster-Munster. That's yeah. That'd be huge. <laughs> I yeah, think we should all go also. Is the winner of the Glasgow-Munster <laughs> game. Yeah, they come up against uh, other Leinster Sharks. We presume it's going to be Leinster. So Presume nothing. Presume nothing. So we'll see this weekend. Um, be some exciting stuff some more knockout rugby I love this time of the season yeah. now I have two questions for you though I'm going to put you on the spot yeah who's starting a nine please oh my god who's starting a nine I think it's going to be Casey do you oh yeah, yeah oh, just... I'm surprised at this now who's starting a ten for you Jack Crowley do you think yeah it's going to be Jack Crowley and Casey in the halfbacks in my opinion I hope he puts Joey on the bench I like Ben Healy but I feel like Joey Carberry is a monster man he's going to be here next season Put him on the bench, give him some time, give him some confidence. Mm. We like Ben Healy, but he literally plays for Edinburgh and he's Scottish now, like in my opinion. <laughs> interesting, Jesus yeah, interesting. Christ, he's signed, he's going, there. he's gone. Ripped the plaster so off. So I'm like, just let him go. Stop, like, you're so sentimental. You're cute. I just want, like, Joey's there. Do you Joey's want to win or man. do you want to keep Joey happy? Which is it? I want Joey to play. I love Ben as well, but I'm Didn't just like, he's gone. He's, he's decided <laughs> what he's doing. He decided what he's doing. Stop playing him ahead of Joey Carvery. 
I know he's playing really well, but uh, he's leaving, like, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's my monster passion coming out there now. I love it. Yeah. You got, I got what I asked for. And he's delighted, I'm delighted for him. He's taking his big contract in Edinburgh and he's got his Scottish cap, but I'm just like, poor Joey, like, play Joey. And Patrick, I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, yeah, like, Healy came on, did well, set up a try, we'll, we'll keep, keep Healy. Because then... Now I don't have to, like, Carberry, great when he's on form, but now we don't have to manage him as much because we've got a load of Burns and we have Sam Prendergast as well. <laughs> they can all step in and kind of back up Johnny Sexton now as well for Ireland. So we don't need to kind of rehabilitate Joey as much. So Ben Healy on the bench. Yeah. What do you think? I think Healy on the bench because I want you to win. I want Leinster Munster. And I do, I don't know what's going on for poor Joey. I really like Joey. And even I'd like to see him. I still think fullback is his best position. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike Haley has been exceptional. He's been so consistent for you guys. I think I agree. Peter Mahoney alluded to it. The South Africa trip was a huge turning point. I think they'll carry that into Glasgow. But I think I'm going to go with my fave, Casey. I do think Jack Crowley at 10 to start. But I think he'll move then to centre. And, and Bring on Healy. Yeah. Well, that's what they've been doing for the last couple of weeks in South Africa. And it's been working. So Why change it? If it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like yeah, it's just my monster passion. I feel yourself so sad now, but look, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a win-win for us. It is it's a win-win. Just win, monster. That's all I want you to do. All right, <laughs> and win, Leinster. I care so much. Leinster can win as well if they want. Um, okay, never stop competing. Moment of the week together with Bank of Ireland. We're giving it to Charlie and Gatai. Mm-hmm. He was out for three and a half to four months and just came straight back into a Champions Cup semi final against Toulouse and played incredible for fifty five minutes. Yeah, like this just shows the, how good the player is. Like for you know for that long and to come back at that yeah. top level, he didn't just like take part. He was like running the center. Oh, I thought he was exceptional. Yeah, I really. I, do you know what? I was asked me that a couple of weeks ago. I was like, when is this lad coming yeah. back? Because um, he was exceptional up, up until his injury, and mm. I think we've missed him. Um, though again with depth we haven't like it hasn't been like detrimental to our season but I think he reminded everyone how good he is and after so long yeah so long yeah, he's such a smart guy yeah great guy to be getting back for the next four games for Leinster mm-hmm. as well yeah incredible so uh, never stop competing moment of the week together Bank of Ireland goes to Leinster's Charlie and Gatai well done lad that's the end of the episode guys it's an exciting weekend of URC ahead though the quarterfinals yes. so um, thanks very much for your insight Pat and all your stats Lindsay you're amazing as always Amazing. Stop flirting with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> I just borrowed it for this yeah. week. Nah, love you to bits. Thanks you so too. much, guys. And thank you to our sponsors, Bank of Ireland, proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.